clock. Looking at the ball, then it says, have you contacted a shut-in lately? Just wanted to throw that out at you. Let's remember our shut-ins at this time. Let's remember those who are battling cancer, those who have passed away, those who are having battles with COVID. Probably everyone in here knows someone that uh, is doing at least one of those three. It's had loved ones pass away, cancer, COVID. A lot going on right now. We want to continue to pray for those people. I'd like to read a, a letter. This is from Nathan Payne, and I just received this, and he's a small writer. So Peggy said, can you read that? I said, I think I can. So I would like to read this letter. It says, Dear Church Family, I received several handmade cards from the first and second grade class, and I was so happy. There are a few happy times in trying, in training, so getting letters like that made me, made my week. I'm sorry, just hang in there with me. Made my week. Thank you all who have been praying for me and my family. I know that God hears your prayers and my success will be thanks to his blessings. Continue to pray for me and all my battle buddies who are sore, tired, and homesick. Pray for my family that they may be taken care of while I am away. Don't worry, though. Chris told me he planned to study Hebrews, so I've read it a couple a dozen times to keep up. Until we meet again... In Christian love, Nathan Payne. I just wanted to start out by reading that to you. And let's remember Nathan and his family in our prayers. Also, last week, the uh, elders had, had put uh, three men before the congregation that uh, we want to appoint elders. And, and that will happen next Sunday. Uh, so between now and Sunday, if you have any reason why that, uh, that we shouldn't appoint these men, we would ask that you would uh, come to us and, and uh, talk to us about it. And that's Rick Keister and Mike Williams and Jeremy Miller. And uh, we certainly do appreciate these men and the work that they have done and what they continue to do. And regarding that, I would like to read in 1 Timothy... Chapter 5, verses 19 through 22. And it says, Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. Verse 22 says, lay hands suddenly on no man. It says, don't appoint people to church leadership too hastily. And we have thought about that, and the elders have talked about that, and we have prayed about that for a long time. So I just wanted to let you all know about that and remind you of that. And if things go the way they're going next Sunday, these men will be appointed to the eldership here at Rome. I want to say one more thing. Tanya Ward will be donating a kidney to a family friend on October the 12th in North Carolina. She and Brian will be leaving on October the 11th for this surgery and will be gone for 10 to 12 days as Tanya recovers. Keep Tanya and the recipient in your prayers as they prepare for this surgery. I know that uh, Brian and Tanya has made a few trips down to North Carolina already in uh, preparing for this and uh, 
I just all I can say is wow to that that someone is willing to do something and give like that. So we certainly want to pray for them. Pray for Tanya and, and pray for the recipient of that kidney. And pray for Brian and the family. Well, as we go to God in prayer, bow with me. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we're thankful that we can gather together here and, and uh, worship you and sing songs of praises to you. And, and we're thankful that we can pray to you, Father. And uh, we thank you for prayers that's answered. And, and Father, we continue to pray for uh, those who were mentioned here this morning in our Bible classes and, and those who are in our bulletin and and Father, those who are, who are battling cancer and, and COVID and, and our shut-ins and lost loved ones and, and just whatever it may be, Father, we just pray rich blessings on, on those people. And Father, we pray for the uh, three men that we have, uh, Father, put before the congregation to, to, uh, to be in the leadership role here, and, and we're thankful for those men. And, and we pray, Father, that uh, things will be done according to your will, and, and we pray that you'll bless them and, and, and just bless this congregation. Father, we ask that, that, that you will be with Chris this morning as he brings us another lesson. We pray, Father, that you'll help us to, uh, to put things aside in this world and, and, Father, to focus on what he has to say and, and to focus on that learning more of your word. We ask that you forgive us, Father, when we sin. We know that there's things that we do that, uh, that Father, is, is not according to what you would have us to do. And we, we just pray for forgiveness and we pray that you'll help us to do better. And, Father, those this morning, if there's anyone here who uh, hasn't put you on, Father, in baptism or hasn't received you, Father, that they'll do it today, Father, before it's everlasting too late. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for the hope that we have in him, and in his name we pray. Would you please stand for our first song? First time this morning, number 52, blessed be the name. All praise to him who reigns above. Next hymn this morning, number 544, 544, Redeemed. After this hymn, Brother Andy Pittman will have our scripture reading and prayer. Redeemed, I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. 
The reading this morning will be from Hebrews, the second chapter, verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message, for since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Yes. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful for this chance to come together as a family. Father, we ask that you we ask for your guidance now as we as a congregation uh, approach a, a significant choice in our leadership, Father, that you may you may guide our hearts and minds, and Father, we may choose the men and confirm those to the, the eldership, Father, that will lead us in your path and through the future. Lord, we pray with you that you be with all the all of us here that are are still reeling from recent passings of loved ones, Father, that we may we may. We may come to terms with our loss, but accept that uh, it is your will, and Father, that they're with you now. Father, we pray that you be with us now through the rest of our, our, our worship here, that, you, that we may worship in the spirit and the truth that you desire, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Next hymn, number 742, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. <clears throat> When I survey the
This time in our service where we come together to remember the Lord's Supper, remember to share in communion uh, like the apostles and Jesus did so many years ago. Um, to prepare our mind for this, I wanted to, to read a few verses from that evening, uh, detailing that evening's events, but not necessarily the supper itself. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13, starting with verse 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Skipping down to verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is Jesus' final moments with his best friends. And he engages in an act of humility. Lowering himself, washing their feet, the dirtiest part of their body, with his hands. Drying them with the cloth that he's wrapped around his body. Just a glimpse into the greatness of Jesus and an example 
that as we share this communion with one another and with God, we should do so with humility in our hearts, humbleness, recognizing the greatness that is above us, and that it is through that greatness and that power that we have salvation. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now with the love and sacrifice of Jesus in our minds and in our hearts, Father, and we thank you for that love and that sacrifice that he, he brought to us. And we thank you for the salvation that comes from it, Father, and the grace that you provide through your Son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let us pray again. Father, we come to you now, mindful of the blood that was shed on that cross, Father, the ultimate humility, the ultimate sacrifice, Father. We pray, Father, that <coughs> we pray, Father, that we take Jesus' example <coughs> and we continue to extend it into our lives, Father. <clears throat> and it's in his name we pray. Amen. This is the point of the service where we acknowledge the blessings of, of God that we all have. Uh, in the before times, we would pass the plate, but during uh, the pandemic, we set the receptacles in the back. So if you haven't yet, you can leave your offering in there. And again, mindful that, that all the blessings that we have do come from God, and we are simply returning to him what is his rightfully. Let us pray. Father, we come to you now thankful for all those things you've done for us, Father, the material and the immaterial, including that grace that you give us, Father. Father, we ask for your continued blessings, and we ask for the wisdom to put these blessings into to good work that glorifies your name and recognizes the love and, and sacrifice of Jesus, Father. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 350, Jesus Hold My Hand. We'll sing the first two verses. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. As I travel through this Let me crown in the light, if I let I see the blessing. 
Invitation hymn this morning, number 701. Tomorrow may be too late. Brother Chris. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you with us this morning. Uh, we will be studying the book of Hebrews today, so if you want to, go ahead and open up your scriptures to this book. I will suggest as we get into this study that you purchase one of these, these little um, scripture journals. You can get a pretty one. That's $3.99, or you can get this not pretty one. I think it's like three fifty, dollars um, But it's just got the text of the particular book that you want to buy. I suggest buying Hebrews, since we're going to study Hebrews. Uh, buy the book of Hebrews. It's got the text here, and it's got section over here, just blank, where you can write notes. Uh, I found these things to be just really helpful. I filled my one of Mark up, uh, and I'm right now in the process of trying to write down all those notes, type them out, uh, so that... Uh, five years from now, when I want to think about a section that we studied in Mark, I can read what I wrote. Uh, and I'm going to try to hand that out to, um, to all of you, too, if you want it. So I would say buy one of those things. I found them to be just very, very helpful, especially as we begin our study of Hebrews. Uh, today, we're probably not going to get into the text. I just want to open up with an introduction. I want to tell you who wrote this book, uh, who it was written to why they wrote it, what date it was written to. I want to tell you all those things. I'm not going to be able to tell you very many of them because it's the book of Hebrews, and it's shrouded in mystery. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But I think introductions are so important. I know some of us don't, um, don't enjoy that. Our minds don't work like that. We don't, we don't enjoy the history aspect. But I think the introductions to these books are what makes them so rich. Uh, if we can solidify in our heads why this book was written, then every word leaps off the page to us in a brand new fashion. It automatically makes more sense to us if we can understand who was writing it, who it was written to, and why they're writing. The, the study of the book becomes so much more rich. And so that's why I wanted to start with this book as well. So as you read through the book of Hebrews, which again, I suggest, read through this book several times. Nathan says he's read through it a couple dozen times. Maybe you can beat Nathan. And see if, uh, see if you can uh, read through it more times than he has. Um, but read through Hebrews uh, several times throughout this study. I think one of the things that you'll probably walk away from that first reading with is, maybe this isn't a letter. Maybe Hebrews wasn't a letter. Um, a lot, most of the New Testament are letters. They're 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 letters written by either an apostle or an inspired man that he writes to a congregation or a, or a person. I don't know that Hebrews is like that. I don't know that somebody wrote down this, this, uh, this book. I wonder if it's not a sermon. Uh, most scholars today seem to lean in this direction, uh, that it's probably not a letter, that it's maybe a sermon someone spoke. And then someone maybe in the audience wrote down what he was saying. And by inspiration, we have it recorded for us today. It does nothing to the inspiration, of course. It's still an inspired book uh, of the Bible. It just kind of reads more like, a, uh, more like a, a sermon and less like an epistle. Also, as you read through it, you're going to find that the writer talks about speaking. He's saying things. He's not writing things. Um, he never says, not even one time, that he's writing to you. All the way until Hebrews chapter 13. So if you, want to, if you want to hold a place in your scripture, Hebrews 13 is where we're going to end up today. That's the one place where he says um, that, you, that he's writing to you. So 
from Hebrews 1 all the way until the last part of Hebrews 13, he says, I'm speaking, I'm saying to you, I testify to you, things like that. He, he's saying it, it's verbal. He's not writing it down. So that there's several other reasons why I think it's probably a, a sermon that's been recorded for you and not a letter, but that's probably immaterial to, to our study um, today. As to who spoke that sermon, we've got some guesses. They're probably not very good guesses. I know it wasn't Paul, though. Um, I lied. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, the verses that Andy read for us this morning. Who wrote this letter? Um, I don't know. And you're not going to know either. And nobody's probably ever going to know. As early as the second century, nobody knew. Uh, And so that lends credence to this idea that it was maybe a sermon. um, Because even Origen, living in the mid-100s, didn't know who wrote the Gospel of Hebrews. And so if it's just a sermon that someone wrote down and recorded for us, everyone's aware of it. All, all, the, all the early um, church fathers think that it's inspired, and, and it, indeed it is, uh, but they couldn't put someone's name to who spoke it or who wrote it. And so Hebrews is shrouded in mystery, and that's just the first place we're going to start with the mystery that is Hebrews. Who wrote it? We don't know. Origen says only God knows. He thought a guy named Clement may have written it. Uh, but Clement of Rome, uh, he lives in 95. Uh, and Well, he writes a book in 95 and he references the, God, the Hebrews letter in 95. So we know it was written before 95. Um, don't think Clement wrote it, maybe. Um, but different story for a different day. But... Um, it's written at least before 95, and it makes a great deal of sense that it's written pre-AD 70. Something significant happens in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Uh, The Jews are going to uprise in the years just previous to that. They're going to rebel against Rome, which is an incredibly bad idea. And the Romans are going to come in, and they're going to destroy Jerusalem. Like the Babylonians did four centuries earlier, they're going to wipe it off the planet. Uh, no stone is left on top of another, and including the temple. And so all the sacrificial system um, that the Jews had enjoyed since the temple had been rebuilt, and even before then, that ta- Solomon had built the temple, and even before then, at the tabernacle, that whole sacrificial system is now gone. In 70 AD, it is it's obliterated. They don't have it anymore. They can't worship at the temple because the temple's gone and it's never been rebuilt. And so had the Hebrews writer known that that was going to happen, had it already happened, he certainly would have referenced it. At least that makes sense that he would have referenced uh, the destruction of Jerusalem in his letter or in his sermon. And so it looks to me like maybe Hebrews was written maybe around 64, 65 A.D., but certainly probably before A.D. 70. As to who wrote it, I don't know. Uh, I know it wasn't Paul. So from antiquity, a lot of people thought it was Paul, and that idea has gone out of vogue for several reasons uh, recently, <coughs> over the last hundred years or so. But one of the main ones is right here in Hebrews chapter 2. Listen to what he says. Let's start again in verse 1. He says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. For since the message declared by angels and proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Did you see what happened in verse 3? Maybe we read through it too quickly. As we read through Scripture, you heard me say this a lot in Mark. I'm going to say it a lot in Hebrews. you got to take your time. Uh, I am the first one to just go very fast because I want to read, I want to speak. You guys know, very fast. Um, But don't do that. Look again in verse 3, Hebrews 2, verse 3. The Hebrew writer says, It was declared at first by the Lord, and then it was attested to us by those who heard it. 
And so who is this guy? We don't know, but we can paint a little bit of a picture. It definitely wasn't Paul. This guy's a second-generation Christian. He did not hear the word of the Lord. He did not meet Jesus. At least he was not taught by Jesus. He was taught by those who heard about Jesus. He was taught maybe by the apostles, by some of the ones that were around Jesus at that time. He was not an apostle himself. Make sense? This is the one thing that Paul will not let go of. He refuses, and it infuriates Paul, uh, to say that someone else taught him the gospel. He says, no, no, Jesus himself taught me the gospel. And so when he's talking to the Galatians there in chapter 1, that's exactly what he says. Jesus Christ himself taught Paul the gospel. And so he would roll over in his grave before he admitted or said that someone else had taught him the gospel. And that's exactly what this writer is saying. So is it Paul? It's not Paul. The, um, the Greek in Hebrews, if you were to look into the Greek a little bit, the Greek is more polished than, Paul, uh, than Paul's letters are. Not that Paul um, could not write that way, but he chooses not to write that way. Uh, he chooses to write in a very bold, very um, uh, quick fashion, I suppose. This, this letter is written in very eloquent Greek. Uh, the words are very eloquent. If you look there in chapter 1, verse 1, it's almost poetic how he phrases it. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, you know, it, it's very poetic. It's pretty how, how this guy uh, writes the letter or the sermon of Hebrews. And so we know it's not Paul. There's a couple other things that, that help us understand, but the, the thing here in Hebrews 2.3 is really the linchpin. It could not have been Paul. Who could it have been? God only knows. That's what Origen said in about 150, and that's where we're going to stick with it today. Um, it makes sense that maybe it was someone close to Paul because some of the thoughts... Uh, in the letter are like Paul's. They're akin to what Paul would teach. Uh, although some of the themes that pop up in Hebrews, Paul never deals with. Uh, in fact, like the, the, um, the high priesthood of Jesus that figures prominently in Hebrews, Paul never once deals with. Paul's a big fan of the resurrection. He focuses a lot on that. And it's only mentioned in passing in Hebrews. And so it's not Paul. But it could have been someone... That was close to Paul. Um, this person is himself, like we see in Hebrews 2.3, a second generation Christian. He's alive sometime around 64, 65, and is known to the churches. He's well respected. It is a man. Uh, this, is, this letter is written by a woman. We know that thanks to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. He uses a, uh, um, a masculine uh, noun there to describe himself. So, it's a man. Um, that's basically what we know about this guy. We know that he is well steeped in the Old Testament. You don't have to read through Hebrews very far to understand that this guy knows his Old Testament very, very well. Um, he seems to be, most likely is, a Hellenistic Jew. A Hellenistic Jew is someone who is Jewish but grew up and lives outside of Palestine. So maybe he's living in Rome. Maybe he's living in Alexandria or Antioch, uh, one of these places in the Greek world, but he adhered to the Judaic faith and has now converted to Christianity. He is encouraging, exhorting. That's what this letter is. It's an exhortation. Uh, he's encouraging his readers to stay faithful. Stick with it. Don't, don't turn back. And so... When you look at all the different things that, that make up this writer, some of these, these clues uh, that God has left for us as to who wrote Hebrews, who could it have been? I don't know. Um, there's a couple of guys in Scripture that we're aware of that fit this bill. Apollos uh, is one of those guys. He's very eloquent. We know that uh, from his time with Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, he is a Hellenistic Jew. He, Jew. he lives in Alexandria. Could have been him. He fits the bill. Could have been Timothy, uh, Paul's uh, son in the faith. Could have been him. He also fits the bill. Could have been several guys. As to exactly who it is, we don't know. We're not going to be dogmatic. I don't know. Um, 
So who was it written to? Well, it's written to, we think, just from the letter's contents, Hellenistic Jews. It's written to Jewish folks who are living out in the Greek world. Um, this letter is not like any other letter. It's one of the reasons that folks think, that scholars think, that it's not a letter. It's because it doesn't have an opening. It doesn't say, hey, I'm Paul and I'm writing to this group of people for this purpose, to encourage you, to exhort you, to discipline you. It doesn't have any of that. It just opens up with long ago at many times and in various ways. That's how it opens up. And so we don't know who it's written to. We don't know who wrote it. And we kind of have to guess and conjecture at when it was actually written. So again, shrouded in mystery. Hebrews is, is very difficult to, along those lines. But thankfully we can make some assumptions here about who it was written to, thanks to the text that's been preserved for us this morning. And so he talks a lot about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Mosaical Law. And so we are left to assume that he is writing to folks who are also steeped in that understanding of the ancient law, of Moses' law. And so he writes to them, pleading with them not to turn back. Don't, don't look back. Don't go back. Now, why in the world would that be such a necessary thing for this man to write? Why would Hebrews, why would he take the time and why would it be so famous very early on in its writing? Because it struck a chord with people, right? If you remember our study from Mark, Mark's also written about 64, 65 AD, which is when the persecution of Christians starts. Really um, gets very uncomfortable for Christians under Nero's reign. In 65 AD, Rome is going to burn. Most people today think that Nero does it himself. Burns down his city. It burns down about three-quarters of his city himself because he was a maniac. Um, but he blames the Christians and starts persecuting them. About 65 AD, that starts happening. Mark's written about that same time period. So is Hebrews, I think. Um, and so when you look at the text... And you find an awful lot of Jewish folks who have now converted to Christianity who are living at the very outset of this incredible persecution that's coming. The Hebrew writer says, don't look back. Don't, don't give up. Don't give in. Hang in there. That's the message of, of Hebrews. And we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about that. But one of the reasons I wanted to walk through this book with you is because I think it has the possibility, the capability of helping us to fall back in love with Jesus. I think some of us during the quarantine, during the depressive last two years, during all the struggles that we've, we've gotten into over this quarantine, I think it's, it's affected our spirituality, hasn't it? Uh, I think a lot of us can feel, can feel ourselves being pulled away from God, being pulled back into former ways of being, re, having reprioritized our lives. And I think Hebrews has the capability of helping us to fall back in love with Jesus. And so I thought, man, this, this is the book that we need to study during this time period. So if you put yourself in one of the reader's shoes here in, in the book of Hebrews, if you were a Jewish Christian living about 65 A.D., and you're in the Greek world, you're, you're far away from Rome, but you're in the Greek world, you know that the persecution is coming. You can, you can feel it. It's not just the Jewish people anymore. It's not just your family anymore. Although that's how it started, right? So if you were a Jewish person, have a Jewish family, and you converted to Christianity, your Jewish family automatically turns their back on you. They don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. You're disinherited. You are dead to them. They don't talk to you. They won't eat supper with you. They won't say hi to you in the marketplace. You're worse than dead to them. There would be no comforting. There would be, if you were, if you had just lost someone, which that's coming, all the pain and all the, the, the loss that comes with being a first century Christian is coming to these, these folks. And as it comes, if you had just lost your, your husband or your wife or your child, you can't go to your family for 
They don't want to hear it. They won't hear it. Uh, you're a Christian now, and you turned your back on God's covenant. And so they don't have anything to do with you. That's been happening for a long time. Since the Jewish people came to faith, their families have been turning their backs on them, not having anything to do with them. In fact, they will attempt to persecute them in any way that they can. They will ostracize them socially. Uh, they will hurt their business models. Uh, they, will, they will push them away in any way possible. And so if you had a good job before you were a Christian, all that's gone now. If you had a good support sim- system and a family, all that's gone now. And so you have to rely on the church. You can't rely on your family anymore because they're not there. So all of that's been true for a very long time. And now they're about to get it from the other side. They're about to get it from the Roman side. Um, and this is going to include being dragged out of your house. This is going to include being shoved on a stake in Nero's garden and lit on fire. This is going to include being thrown into the Colosseum and being torn apart by uh, wild beasts. All of this is coming. The Hebrew writer knows it, and surely the, 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 the ones that it's written to can, can kind of feel it coming. And so he writes to them who have lost their first love. Wherever these people are, whoever these people are, they are struggling. They too are second generation Christians. And while they came to Christ and were passionate about Him, they have, their fire has cooled. Their passion has, has dwindled. That sounds like a familiar scenario, maybe to us, to some of us, after, after the, this quarantine and the COVID and all the stuff that's drowned us over the last couple of years. I think maybe some of our passions have cooled. And Hebrews would fan those back into flame, just like he will the first century folks' passions. And so his goal is to say, it's worth it. It's worth it. Whatever you have to give up to achieve and to hold on to Christ is worth it. You have to give up your life, it's worth it. No doubt, it's worth it. You have to give up your family, it's worth it. Don't look back. Don't give in. Keep going. Keep pushing through. Stay with Christ. Don't allow anything else to take your eyes off of Him. Be passionately devoted to Him. Now, if you flip over to Hebrews 13, I think I can show you maybe where this sermon ended and whoever actually penned this, this sermon maybe picks up again. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 22. I think everything from Hebrews 1, 1 to Hebrews 13, 21 um, is maybe a sermon. Uh, and then somebody comes by later, um, pins, writes the, writes the sermon down word for word, by inspiration, God has kept it for us. But then the, um, the writer adds this little final benediction here at the end that also is obviously inspired. But he says in verse 22, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you. Grace be with all of you. So, there's the word written. That's the one time he uses it right there in verse 22. Um, notice that he says it's a word of exhortation. That's what Hebrews is. It's an encouragement. He wants to pour some courage into you. He wants you to, to stand up straight, to have some encouragement. He wants to exhort you. That's what all this letter is about. Again, if you're living in 65 A.D., and you're struggling. You're looking at all the losses that you've already accepted for becoming a Christian. And you can feel more coming in. You can you just know that Rome is about to turn up the heat on Christians. You start thinking, it would be just so much easier if I went back into Judaism. My family would accept me again. 
those old customs. I'm familiar with those things. I would have all my support system. It starts looking like a good deal to go back into the old covenant. There's no more persecution that way. Even the Romans aren't persecuting the Jews right now. And so it seems like a good deal. The Hebrew writer says it's not a good deal. All all that's a facade. That's something Satan's thrown up. It's, It's not a good deal. You stick with Christ. He is the better promise. And so there are three thoughts, three themes, at least three major themes, that keep on coming up time and time again throughout the book of Hebrews. You'll find the first one, covenant, over and over and over again. I think it mentions it something like 56 times throughout the book. And so you'll find him talking about the Mosaical Law, this agreement between God and man, and how Jesus is the better, the more, the, the fulfillment of that covenant. So don't go back into that old thing. You've got something better now. Don't, don't look back. Don't go back. Don't return to that. There's nothing but death and destruction that way. Keep going towards Christ. And so he talks a lot about covenant. He also talks a lot about access. He talks a lot about access to God. Well, how do you get access to God? You can only get that through Christ. So if you go back into Judaism, you've lost your access to God. Not only are you going back to an inferior covenant where there's nothing but death and destruction, but you can't even get to God now. Third and final thing that he talks about is faithfulness. So you've got covenant, access to God, you've got faithfulness over here. He talks about faithfulness something like 21, 22 times throughout the letter of Hebrews. And it's his encouragement to us, to them, to be faithful, to, to keep at it, uh, to not pull back. So many times I think we're encouraged by the world pull back away from Christ and a lot not live as passionately as possible because it's out of vogue because people don't think like that anymore because people prioritize different things now we're encouraged all around us right it's hard to live passionately devoted lives to Jesus in the 21st century American culture because we're pulling back. We're pulling away from those things. We're going different directions. We prioritize. We value different things now as our culture. And so we're pressured to pull back away from those things. The Hebrew writer is saying that their culture is exactly the same way. They're doing the exact same thing, only they've turned up the heat a little bit with the persecution. These guys haven't um, how's he phrase it? They haven't withstood Till bloodshed yet. They haven't bled for Christ yet. That will happen very soon in the future. But it hasn't happened yet. So far all they've lost is property, status, money. It's going to get worse. And so he's encouraging them to continue on to faithfulness. Passionately devoted to the one who saved you. This book is for us just as much as it was for them. This speaks to us just as much as it did to them. And I think it's going to be a blessing to us. I know this lesson hasn't been very evangelistic uh, this morning. I I think that the coming ones will be. But if today something has struck a chord with you and you want to know Jesus, you want to study uh, about salvation, we would be happy to do that with you this morning. Perhaps you've already made the decision to put on Christ. That's how you get into Him. That's how you become a member of His covenant Uh, being baptized into his blood, having your sins washed away. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning and you just need the prayers of this congregation uh, to live in a way that's faithful to the covenant that he's entrusted with us today. If you have any need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. There's danger and delay, except no saving grace. Here's my
Good morning, church family. Chris, great lesson, brother. Appreciate you. Looking forward to the book of Hebrews, uh, study of it. Um, if you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you here with us this morning. Uh, please take a moment to fill out a visitor card in front of you and just hand it to the person next to you. Uh, we'd love to get to know you a little bit more and um, glad you decided to visit with us. Uh, Trunk or Treat is tentatively scheduled for Saturday evening, October 23rd. There's a sign-up sheet on the foyer board if you're going to pass out candy and you can help out with that. It would be greatly appreciated. Everything will be done outside. Uh, we'll grill hot dogs and stuff outside and pass the candy outside as well in the back parking lot. But if you can help out with that, uh, pass candy out to the community, it would be greatly appreciated. Also, a Teen Devo at our house, at Trevathan's house, on Sunday e next Sunday evening. That's a Teen Devo next Sunday evening. At, our, at the Trevathan House. Also, uh, Gospel Meeting at uh, Rio Grande uh, today through Thursday. Um, so if you're wanting to go to that, uh, I think there's more information out on the four-year board uh, about that. Also, remember, continue to keep Vicki Bowen in your prayers. She's re she was at St. Mary's with a stroke. Um, she's now at home recovering. Remember to keep her in your prayers during this time as um, she's recovering. Also remember to continue to keep Kelly Williams in your prayers as well. Uh, keep uh, Portia Davis, mother, in your prayers as she's recovering from a heart procedure. Uh, so remember to continue to keep her in your prayers. Also, Tony Blake and Janice uh, Blake have asked for prayers. They are uh, dealing with COVID at this time. So keep them in your prayers that, they, uh, that, that their sickness won't last that long. Also, Friday's uh, sister, is uh, situation is getting worse. So remember to continue to keep her sister in your prayers and also Friday uh, in your prayers at this time. I'm sure it's difficult. Also, Dottie Hager wants to thank everybody uh, for their recent prayers for her granddaughter uh, who's dealing with COVID. Uh, she's doing a lot better and recovering at home. Also, Kathy Walls would like to thank everybody as well for uh, the cards and the prayers um, that uh, the loss of her mother. Um, so uh, she wants to thank everybody for that. Also, Jerry's Fry uh, friend uh, passed away. Um, so remember the Harless family in your daily prayers as well passing. Also, Shannon McLock, which is uh, Cheryl Egner's. Uh, friend uh, has breast cancer, and the treatment is to shrink the cancer and then remove it. Uh, so remember Cheryl's friend as, as well in your prayers. Uh, that's all the announcements I have uh, this e this morning. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at six o'clock. Uh, we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number five hundred ten. We'll sing the first two verses, and then Brother Hunter Thompson will lead us in prayer. <clears throat> oh, what joy the storm be,
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the wonderful day that you blessed us with, the opportunity to get out and to bring praise and worship and honor to you. Thank you for Chris and his message today. I pray that we all leave here um, and we learn to love you again uh, if we've fallen away during uh, the previous times. Be with us and help us strengthen our relationship with you. Um, be with everybody keeping this country running. Keep the ones who risk their lives safe and the ones who make the decisions and the laws. Be with them and help them to make the right decisions. Be with everyone uh, mentioned on the prayer list today. Put your hand over them, comfort them, and heal them. Be with us. Keep us safe as we depart here. Bring us back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.